0: I'm Janae Pierre for WNYC. We begin on Staten Island, where Borough President Vito Fasella is planning to file a lawsuit to block congestion pricing in Manhattan. His announcement comes just days after the state of New Jersey filed its own suit, arguing the federal government rubber-stamped the plan. Fasella says congestion pricing will disproportionately affect Staten Island drivers, who already pay at least one toll to enter Manhattan.
2: We believe congestion pricing is merely a fancy way of calling this plan what it really is. That's a driving tax.
0: Facella says he's still meeting with attorneys and elected officials about how to proceed with the legal challenge. The congestion pricing plan will charge drivers entering Manhattan, south of 60th Street. It's expected to start next year. New York City is cracking down on illegal dumping by deploying new surveillance cameras around the five boroughs. WNYC's Sophia Chang looked into it. The sanitation department calls the hidden mobile surveillance cameras their eyes in the sky. This year, the city has quadrupled the number of the cameras that are set up at hotspots. They've caught people in the act of illegally dumping furniture, construction debris, and bags of regular household trash. The number of illegal dumping violations issued by the city has gone way up. So far this year, the city has issued around 105 summonses for illegal dumping captured on camera. That's more than three times the number issued during the same period last year. Each violation has a minimum fine of $4,000. Stick around. There's more after the break. When you see actor Danielle Brooks on the red carpet at the Oscars, she will be in full glamour and in grief. I've been with Sophia for so long, and I just know, like, after the Oscars, that chapter is really done. And that saddens me. I'm Kai Wright. A star of The Color Purple honors the role that shaped her career. Next time on Notes from America. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. The North African nation of Sudan remains gripped by conflict. While news of the months-long fighting has largely faded from the headlines, for one Brooklyn family, it's still very much a part of everyday life. WNYC's Jarrett Marcel has the story. Hi, how are
2: Hi. you? alright. Good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Take my shoes
1: off? No, it's okay. It's fine, yeah. That's Weba el I recently paid her and her family a visit at their home in Bay Ridge. It's a lovely neighborhood, by the way. How long have you lived in this neighborhood? Bay Ridge is often called Little Palestine or Little Yemen. But Thweeba is neither Palestinian or Yemeni, but originally from Sudan. She has two kids. Ahmed is 12, and Nora is... Oh, almost nine. Almost nine. The hallway to the left of Thweeba's apartment has a giant blue sign that covers the wall. On it reads, Welcome Home, in colorful permanent markers. Some of the letters resemble Pokemon characters. On it are messages from different people. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this sign has been up for how long?
2: Uh, it's, so they put it before we came. So this is where like, uh, Noor's last friend, they, they added this sign.
1: Noor, you want to read some of these messages for us?
0: Mm-hmm. This is um, one of my friends. Her name is Abigail. She said, we all miss you so much. I can't wait to see you.
1: That's nice. Mm-hmm. The and sign be had cool. been up since April while Thweeba, Ahmed, and Noor were stuck in Khartoum, just as fighting broke out. In some ways, you could say Thweeba's family is living the American dream. She works in tech, her kids have lots of friends, and participate in extracurricular activities. She first moved to New York back in 2014, not too long after her now ex-husband won a diversity lottery visa. Thweba says during that time, Sudan wasn't a place she wanted to raise a family.
2: We were under dictatorship, and for me it was like, there was no sustainability when I thought about future, like for me and for my kids. So that's why I I moved and decided to come with
1: him. Still, Fuiwa always wanted her kids to know more about their roots, which is why she planned a trip to Sudan back in April, which happened to fall over Ramadan.
2: It was Ramadan, and I think uh, like Ramadan is a very special time for all Muslims. None of them actually have like really been in Sudan or any Muslim country during Ramadan, and also just for them to see their like to see my mom. I kind of miss my family. I miss my sister. I miss my mom.
1: And so the family packed their bags for what was meant to be an eight-day trip. They flew out on April seventh and touched down the following day in Khartoum, Sudan's capital and the country's largest urban settlement located at the convergence of two rivers, the White Nile and the Blue Nile. And by all accounts, the first week was going well.
2: Just a place like that. I remember
0: one time, like, me and my cousins were playing, and we got in trouble for my grandma for being very loud.
1: Thweeba's kids got to visit their father and his side of the family, and Thweeba was able to spend time with her mom and sister. But then on April 15th, just as they were about to fly back to Brooklyn, Chaos erupted throughout Khartoum and other parts of Sudan. The sounds of gunshots and explosions could be heard throughout the city. Smoke filled the air. The family had found themselves trapped in the middle of an escalating power struggle between Abdel Fattah al-Burhan of the Sudanese army and Mohamed Hamdan Dagalo, leader of the Rapid Support Forces or RSF. Two warring generals fighting for control over Sudan with neither willing to yield power to a civilian government. The streets of Khartoum became a battleground. Thweeba was at her mom's house and her kids were across the river with their dad and his family.
2: I remember just walking up that morning and uh, like my sister called and she was just screaming, like there's fighting. And then we realized actually there is a conflict happening outside. They closed all of the bridges and it was really that time where like no one was able to do anything. (laughs) It was
1: really scary because my kids were not with me. After three days of hiding, Thweeba's ex-husband was able to find a way to reunite Thweeba and her kids. Together, they attempted to escape several times before finally boarding a bus to Port Sudan, 500 miles away. They were lucky.
0: I heard gunshot sounds, and, well, 10 minutes after we left, the place got bombed where we were in the bus.
1: The family was able to leave on a Hungarian plane. This past April the U.S. Embassy assisted about 1,000 Americans in escaping Sudan. Thweeba and her kids finally returned to New York City on April 30th. Now, the family is back in Brooklyn. The kids are out of school for the summer, and that welcome home poster is still hanging. Thweeba says the support from her kids, schools, friends, and family was heartwarming. But being back in their safe and quiet neighborhood feels different. What did it feel like to come back to New York after that, considering everything you had just gone through?
2: It's like really that survivor goal of like, I've escaped. I kind of choose that my kids become safe, but then I left so many people behind. And that's just couldn't, like, I couldn't stop thinking about that. There are a lot of friends, there are a lot of family that I know that are still struggling.
1: According to the UN's Humanitarian Affairs Office, between April 15th and June 30th, Over a 1,000 people have been killed in Sudan, 12,000 have been injured, and more than 2 million people have been displaced. But Thweeba says people here just aren't paying attention.
2: Like I remember during Ukrainian war, like we would all knew what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, But not not everyone knew what's happening in Sudan. I think part of it is like maybe the media is not kind of sharing enough about what's happening. Um, Not just Sudan, many areas in the world. And how sometimes I think people choose to actually not search about this information.
1: Thweeba says she finds comfort in the Sudanese community in New York and does everything she can to help the people back home.
2: I've been, like, really trying, if I get an opportunity, to kind of educate people about what's happening in Sudan. Uh, I've been engaging with the Sudanese community and other also just friends of Sudan who are not Sudanese, like, you uh, in a few activities, we were just like in a, in a rally in D.C. There was just a few events happening. I've been just trying to participate. But I know whatever I do, I'm not doing enough.
1: A couple of weeks after I visited her home, I gave Thweeba a call just to check in. Hello? Hi.
2: I just had a friend who house was bombed yesterday. So it's like, it's oh. just hard to do. It's like the level of emotions happening. Sometimes I just woke up and I don't do anything. Because I literally could barely even do my work to survive, you know, but you still need to keep
1: going. Thweeba told me she doesn't consider herself a political activist, but rather a concerned Sudanese New Yorker. And there are many others here who feel just like her. Safe in their house, but never far from home.
0: That's WNYC's Jared Marcel. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Catch us every weekday, three times a day. We'll be back
1: tomorrow.